Like many of, the, many of the men who are married in this building this morning, I had the good fortune to marry up. <laughs> Guys, I'm trying to work with me. I'm trying to get you out of any potential doghouse you may find yourself in this week. Just, just acknowledge, generally, we marry up. And one of the things that I've learned to appreciate being married to my, my wife, Luann, is that she's really artsy and creative and colorful, and I tend not to be so much, but I've learned to appreciate that. I've learned to appreciate finely made things, and to be really careful with them. <laughs> Luann's got a real passion for pottery. She's got an amazing collection of pottery mugs. And our kids tend to tease her a little bit about her dependency or her issues. But it's really not that bad. But when we go on vacation, we often bring back just one, as a quote, one mug from somewhere. And she's got this amazing collection. And she can tell you the history and where everything came. And often what's really neat is that she will strike up a conversation with the artisan. And it means more if you know the person who made the thing. You know, and there's a, there's a story. So uh, every morning um, when we have coffee, generally these really lovely months are used. They're not just stuck up there and gathering dust. They're, they're, it's kind of a functional beauty. So I've really grown to appreciate pottery. And in fact, I think sometimes we should almost have a little uh, bumper sticker in our car that's saying, I break for pottery. Not I break pottery, but I break for pottery, but please don't put that on our car. But that's, there, there's a reason why I'm talking about pottery, okay? The amazing thing about pottery is that you basically start out with dirt, wet dirt. Now it's clay, it's got special properties, and, but you basically, you, you, you get, you start it with dirt and make it wet, and somehow you, it, it gets formed into something really lovely. But if you've ever seen raw clay, Luann was into making pottery for a while. It was cool. I didn't try it. I'm not even that good with Play-Doh, so I just stay out of it and say, that looks awesome. But just basic potter's clay isn't, it just looks like dirt to me. And then you put some water on it and all of a sudden, you work it and work it and work it on the wheel or whatever, or hand format, and it turns into something really beautiful and spectacular. This morning, we're going to be talking about from being messed up to masterpiece. How does God shape us from messy, our messiness, our dirt, and how does he make a masterpiece out of this? Because what I'm looking at this morning is not a random group of people. What I'm looking at this morning is God's display of some of his masterpieces. And now you're probably thinking, Rick, you may be over-caffeinated or terribly unrealistic. Like, what are you thinking? But honestly, I'm not trying to suck up to you or butter you up or get you to like me. I'm just telling you the truth. I'm looking at God's masterpiece this, this morning. And I can prove it to you. Bear with me. We're going to go through Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read it to you. But keep in mind how God 
takes the messed up people and turns them, transforms them into masterpieces, okay? Remember the last couple of weeks we've been talking about Ephesians, Paul says, man, it's so awesome that God has adopted us into his family and he loves us so much. He wants us to know who we are and our purpose in life and he's calling us up into something more. So he continues, now he's talking to primarily a Gentile audience, okay? People who didn't have a Jewish background, didn't have that familiarity with God, they were newbies. It was new, this whole God thing was, was new to them all. And that's why he said, once you were dead, spiritually dead, because of your disobedience and your many sins. In, in Greek it says we missed the mark. It's kind of an archery term. You know how you don't get a bullseye? That's an archery term. And your many sins, that, that refers to just sort of slipping off and uh, kind of like Justina um, told the story about going in the ditch on the way in our holidays. We just, all of a sudden, wow, what happened? We just went in the ditch. Uh, we lost our way. That, that's the sense. So once we were dead because of our disobedience and our many sins, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. When you break the law, you do the crime, you got to do the time, right? So when we break God's laws, we actually break ourselves against God's laws. There are consequences. Anyone here has ever tried to parent a child, a smaller human being, knows about consequences. And if you've had a reasonably adequate parent, they've taught you about consequences. And sometimes when we were bringing up kids, uh, we would say, do you want a consequence? Which means generally not good. So you try to keep steer people on the right path. So we were subject to God's anger because we had disobeyed Him, right? You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. This is scary. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. Did you realize that? There are spiritual forces in the world. You can't see them, just like you can't see the wind, but you can see the reality of the havoc that they wreak in people's lives. And Satan blinds people and holds them in, in darkness and in bondage so they can't experience the freedom that God is calling them to. Here's the good news. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so much, I love that word so, that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Jesus from the dead. There's that window thing again, look at that. He raised Jesus from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. For He raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms, because we are united with Christ Jesus. When we start to follow Jesus, we become spiritually alive. We're adopted into God's family with all the rights and privileges thereof. We're not orphans anymore. We're not wandering around trying to figure things out. We have a purpose and a destiny that God has called us to. Let's continue. So, God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth 
of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So this morning I want you to be thinking about moving from being messed up to becoming a masterpiece transformed by God. This morning um, I've asked Corey Bell to come up and uh, tell us a bit of his story of how God is in the process of transforming him. Corey, where are you? Come on up, brother. And what I want to be doing over the, the next weeks and months as we go through Ephesians is just grab people so we could hear each other's stories and live this out together. All right, Corey, there you go. Thanks, Rick. Hi, everybody. Um, first off, uh, welcome, and thanks for being so welcoming. Uh, I've been coming to Elam for maybe three years now, something along those lines, but started um, coming here from Finding Freedom on the Friday night. And um, that ministry is very unique, um, <clears throat> dealing with trauma and addictions and the brokenness and that kind of life. Um, it's, it's, it's a hard thing to break free from. Um, growing up, I, we did go to church, um, but a lot of the memories from that were um, very hard. The home life was just not the same as, as the image that would come at the church. Um, so often, I would the Sunday morning church, I would be, I would think, well, these are, these people, they're, they're not being true. Um, and it's, I still have to struggle with that. I still overcome that. Um, <clears throat> but by, by the Lord's grace, um, we become whole, we get adopted into his, his son, his kingdom. Um, I guess uh, when I was like 13 years old, uh, just a young man, my parents had divorced, and uh, my mom, even though she was an accountant for the government, um, she was an alcoholic. So every night at, at, at home, um, she would just be passed out drunk, a functioning alcoholic. Um, my biological dad, uh, he was off doing school, um, studying protein chemistry, uh, he ended up getting a PhD, and um, so I would, I would, uh, he would come home um, or back from the university after his study, and there would be a lot of abuse. He would abuse my mom, he would abuse us, but he pretended to be an upstanding citizen um, in the world, and people respected him because he had doctor in his name. He created a, a whole slew of uh, a life view, a life that created a life view that was um, very, very painful and very untrusting. 
um, everywhere. My first career um, ended up uh, teaching martial arts because I didn't know how to not, I didn't want to get hurt anymore, I didn't want to get beat or punished or abused. So I had to learn how to defend myself, um, the only way that I, I knew how at the time. Um, so I dedicated my life to that. Um, it was actually really easy because of all the abuse that I'd suffered um, with family, um, phoniness, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, just to get up and go. And um, so 10 years, um, I basically taught martial arts. And I remember giving my life to Jesus at a, at a camp, Cedarwood camp, but I wasn't discipled properly um, as a kid. And it's so important to go to help out the children and raise them, and raise them well. Um, but my cocky attitude would come into play. I found things, I found life very easy, you know, um, could think well, could be athletic, uh, had no problems talking to people about philosophy, the doctors, lawyers, bus drivers, didn't matter who you were. At the, at the studio, um, we called them for martial arts, if you didn't keep your students, you didn't eat next week. Uh, so it was a big incentive to learn how to adapt to each person. And um, <clears throat> there was still something that was inside that I, I couldn't quench. No matter how many kicks I did, no matter how many push-ups, um, it's just something that was just unquenchable. Um, and I would even verbalize, We'd, we would spar sometimes with some of the instructors, some of us, and um, would say, oh, um, uh, first point wins or something along those lines, but I'd be cocky, and I'd say, well, you know, we'll do this, but Jesus will fix everything when I die. And um, ended up uh, getting into a relationship with one of my students, which was a kind of faux pas. Um, but I related to her because she was kind of like a mother figure. She was, um, uh, she went through a divorce and it reminded me of my mom. And growing up a little bit with a single mother, even though my mom would, would drink all the time, um, she, she was a functioning alcoholic. And um, this girl, who was one of my students, um, she just finished a divorce, uh, finished uh, being broken, was trying to build her up and help her. And so there was some sort of commonality in that. And uh, <clears throat> anyways, uh, ended up quitting the studio and I felt so, so empty. Um, no one to teach, no one, to, no one to, to do with, but I guess this was God's way of really having me address my problem now. Because I kept on distracting it with things that I thought had purpose. You can do that with anything. You can do that with education, you can do that with a job, you can do that with a family. But until you go to the foot of the cross, it, it, until there's that love there, it's all empty. Um, and I ended up finding myself, um, after making a series of mistakes in life, um, uh, in jail. And uh, I was never got in trouble before, um, but that this emptiness um, 
it brought me, it brought me literally to my knees. Um, and I, I recommitted my life to the Lord, read the Bible for the first time. So for that's, that's about 15 years ago now. <clears throat> and since then, um, I have bounced around to many different churches um, and uh, still kept on continuing working with street people, people in uh, prostitution, addictions, crime. And I love those people. I'm one of those people. I think we're all. We're all those people. That's right. <clears throat> and um, that's one of the things that I, I really admire about finding freedom. I didn't even want to go there at first. Um, there was a young lady that brought me there. She up, uh, we weren't sleeping together, but she was a prostitute. And uh, we met on one of those internet dating sites because I was still looking for a wife. And uh, not resting in God, not resting in His time. Um, but getting to that point where you're I guess it's funny this Ephesians 2 um, a couple years ago I bought a cottage I don't have it anymore but I was driving out to the cottage and I was listening to CHVN and um, this song came on uh, by a band called Citizen and um as listening to it, and it basically had these lyrics, you know, you're children of wrath, you're children of anger, but by God's grace, you're saved, you're adopted into the family, you're a citizen of heaven. And I feel like, that's right out of the Bible. So I researched it, took a look at it, and copied it down. I, I set a silent prayer out, out, at the, out at the lake by myself, you know, God's there, had some dogs at the time, and I said, God, you know, I'd like to, to sing this song in front of a congregation. And um, the uh, couple weeks later, the police chief was speaking at um, the church I was attending out by Grand Beach. And um, some people came to do a choir. And I was bouncing again to churches a couple weeks later, goes by. This um, one of the fellows comes, comes up to me as this church I go to visit. And he says, you want to sing here, don't you? I'm like, how did you know that? I didn't tell you. The only person I talked to about was God. And um, it freaked me out so bad that my prayer got answered that I didn't tell anyone. So that's kind of like, wow, God's heard me. No, these other people don't know I, I sing and stuff like that or I play guitar. And it was like returning back to me. The kingdom of heaven was being opened in front of my eyes. And that was actually scary. Because I was at a point where I was broken and I didn't know how to act and how to operate, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to do the Bible. I'm trying to sink it into my heart and head and just be obedient um, because of the stakes of life. And then your prayers start getting answered. And I felt really complete. And it was just, just little simple things. Um... But it made me feel this aliveness, this this fire inside of where now I don't have to perform like I thought we had to as children. Um, and this performance about, you know, you gotta be a doctor, you gotta put up this image. Um, but you can just be real, you can just be alive, and you can be yourself. And um, 
really thankful for that. It's 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 helped me out to to be to be with you all, to be in God's family, and um, that's a bit of that's it's a minor story. Not that I'm anything special, um, but it has got me to a point where now um, the Lord has me working with the province. Um, feel like a citizen in his kingdom first and then other things started to follow and uh, I'm often just thankful to be here and I there's a I'm taking a class at the university right now called apocalyptic literature um, and uh, we're, we're studying this concept called theodicy and it's an interesting word. Theodicy basically means God's goodness in the presence of evil. And it, it, it's confusing to, your, to my mind. It's confusing to my heart. You know, um, I only see parts of it now. I only know the child of wrath and anger that I became. It was like, like, a, like a dog who would poke with a stick in a cage of some sorts. It just gets angry. And, uh, but only through making mistakes was I able to submit to God. Uh, I hope that you guys, that none of us have to go through that pain and breaking God's law. Uh, just the best way to do that is to love Jesus, love God, focus on those kind of things. Uh, that's great. <coughs> this is uh, all I have to say for now. Thanks, brother. Thank you, Corey, so much. I think that song sums up pretty well what we're trying to get across today, is that, uh, first of all, we're all messed up. Now, it would be very easy for us to say, well, that person's a lot more messed up than I am, uh, which we tend to do. But the problem is we're all messed up. A passage that we read said we are spiritually dead because of our disobedience and many sins. We've been obeying the devil. We've been following the passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. Therefore, we've been subject to God's anger just like everyone else. We were messed up. We were a mess. And we're making a mess. <laughs> and we are messed up. And in fact, if you don't think you're messed up, then you're really Good news for you. And, and, and the people that Jesus encountered, the people that thought in the New Testament, well, I'm not messed up. Thank you, Lord, for not making me a sinner like that guy over there. Literally, Jesus told that story. That guy was so messed up. He didn't even realize how bad he was. And Jesus came for people like that. Jesus came for people who know they're messed up. And Jesus came for people who don't know they're messed up. How many people here are messed up? Okay, bless your hearts. You've either, no pressure, but if you didn't put up your hand, you either got some kind of physical ailment or you're in denial. But I know that no one here is in denial about being messed up. That's good. So there's a problem. We're all messed up. Here's the intervention. When someone has a serious problem, 
loving people come and try to do an intervention. And here's the intervention that God did for us. Salvation. God acts in power and grace to set us free from the death grip of sin. Because we couldn't set ourselves free. That lump of clay doesn't all of a sudden decide, I'm going to become a beautiful pottery mug. No, it's just there. It needs to be worked on. There needs to be an intervention. Something happens. And what's even worse in our situation, this is where the, the, the clay metaphor falls down, we were active rebels against God. We were fighting against Him. We needed to surrender and say, okay, God, you're the boss. My life is broken. I'm all messed up. I surrender. I've been in rebellion against you. I renounce the devil and all his works, and I will follow you. That's what we need to do. So this intervention, salvation happens. Now, it's interesting when you talk to people about this and saying, by grace are you saved through faith and not that of yourselves. Basically saying, we don't earn our salvation, okay? This salvation is our response to God. Some people don't get that. I've got a couple of prominent examples today. Warren Buffett, the Oracle of Omaha, he's called, one of the wealthiest men in the world. Uh, a few years ago, he was being interviewed, and he had donated $30 billion to charity, actually to the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. And he put careful, uh, you know, particulars on that, but it was, that was a big chunk of change, $30 billion, right? But here's a quote from the article. Buffett said, there's more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way. Oops. Oops. I sincerely hope someone has been able to correct Mr. Buffett's theology because he is way off base. This is way too common in the world. We think that salvation relies on us. A right relationship with God depends on something that we do. There's an even worse example that's fairly recent. You know this guy? <laughs> Let me read Donald, the whole of, of Donald Trump's quote. This is from uh, an interview in uh, CNN. And it'll, uh, if you're praying for Mr. Trump, this is how you pray. You'll know how after I read this. I like to be good. I don't like to, have to ask for forgiveness. And I am good. I don't do a lot of things that are bad. I try to do nothing that's bad. I live a very different life than probably a lot of people would think. I have a very great relationship with God, and I have a very great relationship with evangelicals. Especially those who are going to vote for me in this November. We see, now those are kind of extreme examples, but we come to God with this kind of attitude. Well, it's, you know, the idea that I am good enough and maybe I'm not as messed up as that person. And so somehow it, this thing all depends on me. That is not true at all. That is an absolute lie. It's only through our response to God's loving grace that we can be saved, changed, and transformed. Imagine you're in... Uh, life is a kind of a shipwreck, and you're, you're floundering in the water and waves in this terrible storm, and all of a sudden, uh, a rescue helicopter appears, 
and the SARTEC comes down the cable, the search and rescue technician comes down, the SARTEC comes down, and offers you a hand, offers you a life ring. What are you going to do? Okay, okay, there's one rational person here. <laughs> grab it, of course you grab it. Do you say, oh, <clears throat> look, I like to be good, I don't do a lot of things that are bad, I don't need this, you know. I've got a great relationship with God. What do you do? Literally, for the love of God, you grab it, right? That's, that's what grace is all about. That's what salvation is all about. It's God offering to rescue us from our own self-destructive stupidity and rebellion against Him. That is such good news. Such good news. And it gets even better. Because now we have a new purpose in life. See, there was a problem. We were messed up. God intervenes, offers us salvation, provides a way out. So if we just, all we got to do is just grab the life ring and hang on for dear life. All right? Say, help. It's probably the first good prayer that anyone prays. Oh God, help. And we grab the ring and he saves us. And he adopts us into his family and all that good stuff we've been talking about in previous weeks. And now we have a new purpose. And what, two purposes, I think. To be examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us. And to be examples that, that's to the rest of the cosmos. Just to, not just other human beings, but to all spiritual beings in the cosmos. Everything that has ever been created, made by God. Saying, hey, look what I did. In Winnipeg, 2016, in the heart of the city, in the heart of the country, in the heart of the continent, I showed my heart to people. And they responded. Look at this beautiful group of people. It's like when you come to our house, when we have a guest come to our house, and when I'm going to say past the grade. This isn't good, but Luann wants to show her hospitality. She will take you to the cupboard where we have all the beautiful pottery mugs, and she'll open the door for the big reveal and say, "Pick one." Uh, we, I tell you, we got to. We're working on displaying these things. We're working on a good way of displaying them because we don't want them just to gather dust because they are really beautiful to look at, and they're also useful. But God displays us like trophies and saying, look how I can transform rebellious human beings. Look at these lovely earthlings that I love and I've ransomed and redeemed and adopted into my family. Isn't this amazing? This is great. He likes to show us up to the spiritual powers of the universe and say, wow, Elam Chapel, that's amazing full of grace and truth. So that's one of our purposes. The other one is to do the good things he's planned for us long ago. So this whole salvation thing isn't just about today. Before we were even born, before we were even conceived, God had stuff mapped, us, mapped out for us to do. We're not just there going to be sitting on a shelf. I like pottery, but I like functional pottery. I like to be able to use it. And so when we have our morning coffee in mugs, you can appreciate the beauty of the mug, but it's also delivering caffeine to my lips, which is a beautiful thing for me. Okay. I don't know what your dependency is, but no, it's not. 
think I could do without it. Anyway, so it's got a purpose, right? The Bible says that we are created to do the good things He planned for us long ago. I love what Kim said about find your part in the body of Christ. That wasn't really planned, but God planned it. So right on, sister, you keep preaching. Um, because we're all part of his body. We've got these different parts, and God's planned it out, so he's got stuff for us to do. When one part of the body's hurting, we come along and sort of help support it. Another part of the body's thriving, we go, yeah, let's thrive together. We're, we're in this together. And it's a beautiful thing, so we have a new purpose in life. Ultimately, the whole point of this morning is that God transforms messed up people into his masterpieces through his power and grace. And thank you, Corey, for sharing your story. Uh, because all of us are messed up in some way, right? And God transforms us into his masterpieces, but only through his power and grace. It's not through our self-improvement programs. It's not through our own efforts. But when we grab that life ring in faith and say, Jesus, you got to be the one that helps me. Only you can change me. That's what Mr. Buffett and Mr. Trump might still, still need to do. I don't know where exactly they're at. It's not my job to judge them. I'm just saying this is what the press has said about them. But that's what we all need to do. Grab that life ring, be rescued, and let God transform us. But God transforms messed up people into his masterpieces through his power and grace. My ambition for the next few months is that we focus on what it's like to, live, to be a community filled with grace and truth. That's what I want Elam Chapel to be known for. Wouldn't that be a great rep in the community? We have a, a history, you know, and other things in our story. But I would love for us to be known as a display case for God's, God's trophies of grace. But not just a, a display case, but a community that's actually doing stuff, doing God's stuff in this neighborhood and in this city and in the world, doing things that are full of grace and truth. So what I want to be doing over the next few months is, is focusing and hearing and developing this culture of grace and truth here at Elam and hearing stories of people being messed up, being transformed from being messed up to masterpieces. I want to give you a heads up about someone who's coming to Elam on March 6th uh, in a Sunday evening. And I got to close with this. Trevor Dick. I uh, grew up in Nigeria as a missionary kid. His dad was killed in a car accident when Trevor was only four years old. So he grew up without a dad. That really deeply affected him. And when he was a teenager, he was sexually abused by someone that he had formerly trusted. And there's just a lot of brokenness in Trevor's life. And God has been transforming him and rebuilding him. And he's, a very, he's quite a gifted musician. We'll, we'll be giving some samples of his music in the future. But Trevor is going to come uh, Sunday, March 6th in the evening. Guess what? It's going to be free. And we're going to invite you to contribute, people who are able to. But it's a free will offering. 
Trevor just wants people to hear his story, and he's willing to take a risk and come and do that for us. He's going to bring his band. It's going to be awesome. Just This is a save-the-date announcement. And I wanted to put it in the context of my message because it's not just a thing to tickle your ears or entertain us. It's an opportunity to hear a story of grace and truth and the way God can shape people, transform people, redeem people. We might start out life messed up, and we all do in some way, but God wants to transform us into masterpieces, and that's what he's after. So, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for the way you change us from messes to masterpieces. And I know your spirit is talking to people today. Lord, I pray that you would continue to transform us from being broken into being made whole. And I pray that you'd help this place to be a source of grace and truth in Winnipeg, Canada, so you can change us inside out. We pray these things confidently in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.